something. <laughs> uh, we did a, when was it? Yesterday, we returned to that thing I used from the Course in Miracles, you know, the four, page 468. I've done it here so many times, but uh, it was so nice just to go back there and uh, speak about the something else that the head has made to be yourself. Yeah. I mean, if you heard that, why the hell, how would you translate that? First of all, they don't say that. They say, this is where I disagree. They say, uh, we have made this something else to be ourselves. Yeah, I don't believe we do it. I believe the head does it. I think it's a mechanical activity. And that mechanical activity is uh, is based on this dualistic movement, which is firm in faith. It's uh, actively denying what you are and firm in faith in this something else that your head has made to be yourself. Yeah, that's it right there. If you see that activity of that something else that's being made, in other words, it's manufactured to be yourself, therefore that manufacturing needs a lot of support to continue to appear as being yourself, which is obviously the narration of the thoughts going on in the head. Yeah. And that activity may be unbeknownst to us because we think that there's thoughts about us and, and uh, there was no one that made us. We are us. Yeah. And there's no reinforcement of us just as us. So, but there's something else isn't us. So it needs to be made and it needs to be reinforced. And as it does that, when the interest and attention lies there, we're in the act of denial of what we are. Yes. Now, are we choosing that? No, but our condition, seeming condition right then and there is a denial of what we are. This is what goes right into that idea of the presupposing of the non-existent thing. What's being presupposed about the non-existent thing? It says there's a presupposing, yeah, about the non about the non-existent thing, and that presupposing is the non-existent thing is an existing thing, yeah, and not only that, there's no separation from the existence and the thing. The thing is what's existing, yeah. When that's the case this now non-existent thing being uh, hybridized with uh, with existence and now be, being seen as the existing thing wants to get something for itself. Let's call it salvation. Maybe it's a mini salvation. It wants an extra treat right now. It wants a whatever, but there's, let's say, salvation. So... There's a non-existent thing, which is the body, uh, taken to be an existent thing, which is the experience here. That existent thing 
as the body, which is just existence, but now identified with the body, wants to get salvation for itself. And that explains the next sentence completely. Your spiritual practices themselves are reinforcing the non-existent thing. What are they reinforcing about the non-existent thing? Unfortunately to us, that it's an existent thing. That's what the spiritual practices are being used for, to reinforce the idea that the non-existent thing is the existing thing. And therefore, he says, then how can they destroy it? Exactly. Yeah. So the first statement explains the second effect. Yeah. Now, if you only hear the second effect, it's frustrating because now someone's, you know, you know, dive bombing your longing and pursuit of spiritual transcendence. And it's sort of a bummer. Why would someone want to tell me this, that my spiritual practices are doing the exact opposite than what I think they're doing? Yeah? Because of the underlying condition and their spiritual practices failing completely verified the previous statement. Yeah? Now, without the previous statement, the failure of the spiritual practices is a bummer. Yeah? It's frustrating. And usually it just turns into more self-centeredness where you beat yourself up or there's a beating of this idea of you up for you haven't done enough or you should have done more. You should have stayed in India longer. You should have went to Tibet before the Chinese did what they did with it. Yes. All this stuff comes up and it has and it gets a lot of play. Yeah. But if you hear the first. Yeah. Then you can hear the second, really. Yeah. The hearing of the first is gives you the ears to hear the second in a different way, where it's really hallelujah, in a sense. Yeah. And the first is there's a presupposing. What's presupposing that the non-existent thing is an existent thing? The head, yes? We listen, we hear it all day. Its whole premise is presupposed that the non-existent thing, the body, is what's existing. Even though maybe the existence is moving through the body, but the body is not the existence. Just like the flute is not the note. Yeah, With something moving through the flute, it is, it's allowed to play a note, but no flute has ever played a note. Yeah? There needs to be that breath, that mm, and then the, the, the flute can play a note. Yeah? So these things go right into the other of, hey, there's an act of denial by this head being in firm in faith in this something else that it has made to be us. Yeah? And if our listening or our hearing, listening is constantly drawn to that, that is the act of denial of what we are. So the avid reinforcement of what we're not in a dualistic expression is the act of denial of what we are. Is there anything to do about it? No, you hear it, yeah? The hearing of it opens a door. It doesn't call you to arms. It's very yielding. You open a door and wow, if it hits, it hits. If it doesn't, come back. 
Yeah, sooner or later it will. Yeah. So it's so beautiful, this thing on 468, where it goes on and on and it says, hey, listen, the heads made this to be you. Why would you ever be suspicious about it? You would probably listen to it in a very innocent manner, believing that it has your best interest at heart because it's you speaking about you to you. But in fact, the effects or the or the situations we arrive at by following it don't really prove that idea. It seems very frustrating. It seems like we're being misdirected quite a lot to the point where the Course says, you've never heard this fucking thing because it doesn't make any sense to you. Yeah, this idea of being in the moment and having a an activity of, of something that's in the moment that thinks about yesterday and tomorrow incessantly. I mean, what more information do you need about it? What, what more information do you need about what's hearing a lot of shit we hear? So let's say you and I hear the idea of enlightenment. Hey, who's going to pass on that? Sounds pretty good. The cessation of all suffering. Yet, when you, as this something else that has been made to be you, hears it, it usually provokes frustration and agitation. Even though the meaning of the word means cessation of all suffering, our reaction to it from this something else that we are not is the exact opposite of being free of all suffering and whatever. It actually promotes suffering. Yes? The same thing with the word awakening. Awakening is, how can you find something weird in awakening? Wow, it's great. You know, awakening from a dream. We do it every day in the morning. Awakening, awakening. But now it's sort of like it's a meter that you measure a race, you know? I'm more awake than this person. I awoke before he did or she did. I'm gonna. Even, I'm even more awake. I'm going for the full transcendence model. And yes, and so the awakeness, instead of bringing a peace, it's it's used to to uh, exasperate even more. Do you need to read five hundred pages of shit? The the, the mental state's reaction to the word enlightenment shows you its whole theme, like in one second. You don't have to have volumes of it. All you got to do is hear one example because it applies to a lot of examples that we've lived through already. When they're talking about whatever can be perceived, cannot be perceiving, it's not like a study of from 2011. It's now, it's an observation, yeah? So there seems to be perceiving going on and there seems to be a lot of perceived going on. And so Huang Po is just using what's there that's always seemingly been there all our days, which is the perceived and the perceiving. And, it, and he makes a simple statement. Whatever can be perceived cannot be perceiving. Hallelujah, incredible. He's not like, this is an exotic new fucking thing perceiving. No. And it's super exotic perceived. No. We know perceived and we know perceiving. And everyone in this room, I fall under the category of perceived. Yes, I do. 
Every every Zoom that's looking into the camera right now, I am a perceived, yes? And when I look at all of you, you are the perceived. When I'm looking, I feel like I'm the perceiving. And when you're looking, you feel like you're the perceiving. <laughs> Yet, if we took a vote, all of us would lose. Because there would be all of you perceiving this one perceived. Yeah. Do you need to go any farther? L really? Can't you just stop and let it fall? The house of cards is just fucking, just, you don't even, just look at it, it's going to fall. You know, that's how easy it can be. Just look at it, it's, it just collapses. Now, does it appear again? Yes. But like that old Zen thing, Instead of adding something to the statement, like there is no, first there is a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is a mountain, we're putting something before it, which is first there is no mountain. So we're starting with the negation, there is no mountain, we're not, start, not starting with there is a mountain, because this is what happens. There is a mountain. We believe it's the root of all obscuring and obstacle, and we'd be so much better that if there wasn't a mountain, and we work hard to have that peak experience that there is no mountain. Hallelujah. So there was the mountain. Now I've had an event. There is no mountain. But usually quickly, but sometimes slowly, then the mountain appears again, and you get fucking bummed out. You do. You get frustrated because you believe something that wasn't true. And when that truth, that false truth extended in hope, you get bummed out because the mountain appears again. So what do you do? I got to fucking chop down that mountain again. Yeah. Even if I only get a few minutes of relief, like through drug, drug addiction, it makes fucking sense. Yeah. Just give me five minutes living without the mountain, and I'll just put up with all the mountain's consequences tomorrow. Just give me the five minutes. But if you start with there is no mountain, yes? You start there. I hope that's what non-duality does. Non-duality has an understanding that's before most understandings, yeah? It usually shows up after the understandings to negate them, but the understanding is truly before things, yes? The understanding is there is no mountain. That's the understanding. Then your eyes tell you there is a mountain. Okay. And then maybe you worked hard and it didn't budge and then you lose interest in it. And then it's as if there is no mountain. Yeah. Fantastic. It's shown its true, uh, its true emptiness. And then once again, sooner or later, it's going to appear as a mountain, but it doesn't bother you anymore. Because you know there is no mountain. <laughs> That's it. You know it. You're not, you're not, it's not based on experience because when you knew there was no mountain, there was no experiences of mountains. That's why you knew there was no mountain. So now you have that as the understanding, then maybe you can make peace with mountains. Yeah. So maybe there is no mountain and then mountain away. Yeah. Mountain after mountain after mountain after mountain. The more mountains, the merrier, because it doesn't make it a mountain. Because why? There is no mountain. Yeah. Now what happens? You see the reality of a mountain as dreaming. 
Yes, you see it as appearances. And then you realize this is all the stuff that we heard of in, in Buddhism and stuff. You, you realize now that the mountain has been given the meaning of mountain. It's not shouting out the meaning of mountain. Yeah. So you and I are giving it the meaning of mountain. And if there was something really there, it would impose its reality on us. But it's empty. The great word of empty in Buddhism. It's empty. It's empty of any reality. Yeah. So because we are the act of reality in this dreaming, we can give that meaning because it doesn't have an, a pre-existent meaning. It's empty. It's appearance. Yes. It doesn't turn into a reality. It can only, only appear real to reality. Yeah. This is the dreaming. It can appear real to what is reality, which is us. How does it appeal real to us as reality? When we're taking ourselves to be the dreamt, yeah? When we're taking ourselves to be the perceived, we perceive things that are empty as being full of reality. Yeah. That's awesome. You just learned a whole lot in like five minutes, yeah? You got the whole meaning of emptiness, which was seemingly passing you by with all your studies. Yeah, the reason why I can give meaning to things is there's no meaning in, a, in appearance. It's empty. If something was real, it would impose its reality on me. It doesn't, yeah? This is why we are living in a subjective event because that's the, that's the essence of dreaming, yes? Everything seems to be what it is to us. Seemingly means it appears to be true or false to us. If this was a real place, that wouldn't be what was going on. Yeah. You would be maybe in a huge denial, but that wouldn't work because the reality of the reality would fucking run you over. Yeah. But here, because everything is empty, you and I can give it all the meaning it has. There you go. Yeah. What would be an empty mountain? No mountain. Yeah. What would be a mountain? An appearance. What would be no mountain? A disappearance. What would be a mountain again? An appearance. Kiss them both goodbye, non-duality. Negation of appearance and disappearance. Yes? Your interest is now resting in the presence of its own nature. You have plenty of like uh, spare coins of interest and attention in your pocket to make it through a day. Yeah? Your bank account is full, garnering interest all day because you're interested in that which is interesting that which is interested in things you're interested in that yeah the fucking uh the benefits are astronomical but you'll probably never see them but you'll live them you'll sense them yeah they'll be as real as real can be but no one may ever see them yeah yeah So non-duality, 
let's say John, our friend John, a large aspect of John has now been objectified, and let's call it John. This idea of a long-lasting, independent, separate entity that's got a lot of fucked up things about it or something. So now something is looking at John, and that something that's looking at John was for provided that position by seeing. There was an awareness of what was called John. That awareness was claimed, and now there's another John that's looking at the other John. Yeah. Now the now the secondary John may be like a policeman John, and the first John was the thief. And now the policeman is going to punish the thief John, and there you go in your little porno theater upstairs. Yes. You try to get rid of one, it seems to reinforce the other. Yeah. What are you going to do? Non-duality. Yeah. You're neither the thief's voice nor the policeman's voice. What? Yeah. There's another channel in there between the other two. You don't hear anything, but if you listen, you will. So you just got to, if you lose interest in the thief policeman, there's going to be a gaining of interest in other things. And you'll start picking up, let's say, really your home station, so to speak, the I am. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you'll have an anchor that was missing in your life. You'll have a foundation that's actually solid that you don't worry over. You're not anxious about it. You're not trying to maintain it or get it better or, you know, fortify it or protect it. You're not. It just, it doesn't call for any of those measures. It's just it's all terrain, that great tread, just fucking live this life. Yeah. And as we say in recovery, something will constantly reveal more to you. You're not setting yourself in a, in a position of getting the revelation. It's dumping in. You, it's, you, you're not the chooser of the shit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to go to a level of you, what you need to know. If you don't need to know it, you'll, it'll probably miss you. Yes. You're not going to be like a Renaissance man of non-duality, probably. You know, there'll be certain aspects that will be amplified and others will be muted. Yeah. And hopefully, uh, I don't know, you just travel lighter. Really? Not as an effort or following an order, but as an observation over time. You just see that you've been traveling lighter. And basically, because it's not you that's doing it, you're not worried that you won't be doing it. So there's a, when it's you, it's going to probably correct, you know, trigger a lot of anxiety and shit. But if it's not you, you can really rest in there. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've run into something that doesn't have your little foibles and your little mental lapses and your blind spots. It's something that's reliable. That's always reliable. Yeah. Yeah. So you start acting like that. 
you lose interest in a lot of shit. You lose interest interest in defenses and shit like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So hey, anyone? Uh, yeah, you got one of the Johns or neither of the Johns. He's got his John Mandarano. Yeah, John. how's it going, Paul? Good. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to share. I um. Yes. So I had I had this week. So since I've kind of heard the message, so I miraculously heard it after I'd kind of felt this enormous frustration with spiritual seeking. And it was exactly what I needed to hear and has been. But I had this weird, I don't know, this week, last week or two, I listened to some other non-duality podcast and I I started thinking like, Oh, maybe, I don't know, maybe I should be doing something, maybe make it more stable or clear or something like that. And um, I picked up this book off the bookshelf and I won't name names or anything, but it was this set of exercises. Okay. And uh, the first exercise in the book is you're supposed to take this orange and look at it and you look at the orange and you're supposed to, through going through the exercise, see that all there is, is is pure awareness and there's no object outside of yourself, right? So I do this exercise in the morning and I'm focusing on it all day and uh, I can't convince myself that there's not an orange out there. I'm driving around, you know, for work and I'm driving on the road and I'm looking at the road and I'm like, I know that if I were to swerve off this road, I'd ruin my fucking day. Like the road, like I couldn't convince myself that there wasn't objective things outside and it really started to fuck my day up. And then, you know, after spending the whole day being upset that I, I was, you know, still thought of things as being like objectively existing or something, I just had that moment of realizing, I'm like, I'm, I'm never going to get it. I'm Great. never going to get it. Right. And it was a huge fucking relief. Right. Yes. I, I just, I, I, I've been meaning to share this for a while in, in my life, the, the way I've experienced spiritual seeking has for a really long time been this like intellectual pursuit. I was going to understand things and I was going to explain them. And there's been many different phases of it. I mean, whether, when I was, uh, when I was very religious, when I was, very irreligious when I was all, all the different spiritual paths, there was always this idea of, I wanted to explain to others why this idea was so good. And I realized that all of it was about convincing myself. And so sure. that, that expression of needing to convince others was really just because I didn't feel safe or stable or secure. And like, with the exception of maybe talking to my wife about it or like, Honestly, I haven't said shit to anybody about non-duality. Like, I don't feel the need to convince anybody. It's amazing. Like, I just, people talk about whatever they're talking about, and I just sit there in the corner with my fucking mouth shut. I don't need to tell people about it. I can just, mm. it's okay. And it's, it's amazing. It's really, it's really amazing to just feel good about it. 
Fantastic, John. Hey, John, I want you to send me, you know, you failed your first test, so I'm going to give you an F. And that's going to be the highest mark you'll ever get. Okay. Failed. Don't you see how it succeeds by failing? Yeah. Because it points out the impossibility of the action figure getting it. That's great. Now, I don't know if that school planned it that way, but that's how the head used it, which is fantastic. And now you can make orange juice tomorrow. So it's got a <laughs> multi-purpose. Yeah, which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, that's the point, John. It's like when people would run into me and they had been listening and they said, well, you sound like it's easy not to be a body, but I find it impossible. I said, yeah, you're... When you're coming from the body identification, it's going to seem impossible not to be a body because that's the, the self-preservation of the system. Yeah. So the action figure is an action figure. It's not you. Yeah. And yeah. the action figure is not AI. It's programmed and it's got limitations built in. Yeah. Yes. And therefore, that's the beauty of when the action figure tries to become spiritual. It usually fails dramatically. And hallelujah. Hopefully you have the understanding of non-duality to point out that's not you that feels terrible about failing this uh, chore of becoming spiritual. See, yeah. this is the great relief like you just shared. Yes. It didn't get it and it ain't going to get it. See, now when it, it usually will begrudgingly experience it didn't get it, but it doesn't admit that it ain't going to get it. It figures it can get it if it just manages better or does this or do that. That's also <laughs> the programming. So basically, you get a, a lot of revelation. Yeah, because uh, when you go to pick up your prize, you can't receive the prize. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I'm happy that happened, bro. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So now you have relief, a relief that's not based on you doing something. Therefore, if it's not based on doing, then the doer isn't the most important aspect of it. And yeah, and now there's relief from the bondage of self or the bondage of the action figure. Yeah. Yes. The action figure is a thing. Why do they call it spiritual paths for? Bodies take a path, yes? Mm -hmm. A body with legs in time and living in a space takes a path. Yeah. If it wants to get somewhere, a spiritual path has an, has an implied agenda of arriving somewhere. That's the beauty of a spiritual path because it is going to fail. You're not going to arrive at where you already are. So fucking march away. It's the greatest way to get it. <laughs> it's going to fail. And instead of thinking that you failed over and over again, that will break. And you realize the reason why I can't get back is because I never left. You see? It's yeah. never left. You're not need you don't need to arrive anywhere. You're here now. Yes. Now you can't convince the action figure that 
great, let the action figure knock his head off. Yeah, and hopefully you're not identified as it and you're going to see the great value in its frustration. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, great. It's a perfect example. We could end the meeting actually on that. Very nice. Thank you, John. And you still get an F on your orange test. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah, I'll thank you. It'll lower my grade average. I'll accept it. Was it a sun kiss or a... Oh, it was one of those little clementines. Oh, a clementine. See, now you may have gotten a a better, different experience with a big orange. See, this is what we have. (laughs) I get a bigger orange. I'll try it with the big orange or maybe a green orange. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. That's no very, yeah. That just okay. explains the whole point we're attempting to to bring to the light is the idea there isn't a claiming going on that's attributing to the non-existent thing the incredible gift of existence, but as something it owns or does or has, which is not the case. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What's looking is what you're looking for. So we're looking for a spiritual, uh, to arrive at a spiritual condition and we're using the spiritual condition to look for it. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm using myself. Yes. But yourself is a non-existent thing. (laughs) Uh, well, thanks, man. Anyone else? I can't hear you, Mike. Mike. All right. Yeah, you lost some volume there. No other hands. Great. Well, I think we can just end on that, eh? No? It's a little bit higher, but it's low. Something, it hits something, I guess. I have to play with settings. How about now? Now you sound like you're coming from... I like the sound. It's uh, Encounters of the Fourth Kind. We got an alien transmission. Did you ever tell you that we shared it here, I think, the story from Twilight Zone, from an old Twilight Zone where there's, uh, there's the Earth and this huge alien comes. It was the guy that played, uh, I think, Munster and whatever. He has a huge alien shows up and he's there. To, and, and of course, the humans are suspicious, but then they they find a big book he had, he's brought with, and it says they finally are able to decipher their, the alien language and says, uh, uh, serve, you know, how to serve. Yeah. To serve man. Serving human. Yeah. To serve man. And so then they start believing everything they're saying and that they're they're saying, all right, we're going to get you on these spaceships and, the, the earth is going to die and we're going to bring you to our planet and everyone's signing up. And then someone finally 
the cipher's a little ma more, and it's a cookbook <laughs> to serve mankind. It was a cookbook, <laughs> all the people were. It was already too late. <laughs> that was a Twilight Zone episode. Why not? Hey, whatever can be perceived cannot be perceiving. <laughs> <laughs> what's looking is what you're looking for you can't use the buddha to seek the buddha can't use mind to seek mind you can't use light to seek light who the hell would ever give that advice other than to the buddha light and mind <laughs> i mean there's no why would it say it to anything of course it was seeing there was a buddha and the buddha seemingly was unsuspected, and Paul was using the Buddha to seek the Buddha through Buddhism. And so the great the compassion of the message said, hey, listen, Buddha, you can't use yourself to find yourself. Now, Paul is trying to understand it, but it was the message wasn't directed at Paul. It was directed at Buddha. It was directed at Big M Mind. It was directed at the light. Yeah? And this is the point. We're attempting to have a losing of interest in the appearance of John so that we can, there can be communication back and forth to the non-appearance non of all of us, yeah? So that the Buddha, so that the Christ mind, that so that your inherent nature will hear the message, yeah? And it's because the message isn't for you, it's about you. It wasn't like serving mankind. It was serving mankind on a plate. <laughs> so it is, it's important to see the emphasis. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you had, you just had a nice fucking free sample. So let that thing roll out. Yeah. You're the rest of the pie. You see, the free sample is the little bit of pie that you got as a free sample came from you. <laughs> it's not like the free sample is the trigger. You're the pie, so to speak. Yes, not it's not for the crust of John to, to, to claim the blueberry. It's, yeah, it's the pie. <laughs> yeah. All right, well... Anyone else? I'll just start saying goodbye, and then if something triggers, we'll keep talking. Eh? How's that? Yeah. Mike, always a pleasure. Thank you, and thank you for helping me with that uh, digital ocean. Eric, nice to see you, Eric. Yes. Remember, Eric, knowing it or not, or in liking it or not, you're you're a lifetime member of ZenBitchLap.com now. Yes, oh. lifetime member. Yes. Oh no. I'm stuck. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> That's how well, most people agreed it is. Oh no, but wait. Let's see. Just wait. Suspend. Suspend. You know, contempt prior to investigation. <laughs> Kathleen. Kathleen off to Florida. Yes, honey. I knew he's coming home soon. I think. Yes. No. Ah, great. India's well, your mother's well. Oh, good, good. We got William S. William S. He's rolling a little bit lighter, I'd imagine. Kenneth, 
Kenneth, uh, nice to have you come back and say hello, Kenneth. Oh, man, you're still in Vancouver? I, yes, I am, uh, Paul. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, I've been uh, watching your uh, video for over a year and a half because of the timing, and I've been quite busy uh, looking after someone, taking up care of them. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, he passed on uh, just a few weeks ago, and a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of memories came back, hmm. including the one you talked about, your Uncle Fred. Hmm. Yes. Uh, but uh, for me, the experience was quite different. Uh, I I could see where you're coming from because I was there when he when he left, like hmm. how consciousness would leave the body, and you, and then you think that oh, that's the end of it, and but somehow. The memory, uh, uh, my projection of that person uh, uh, came mostly from the memory. I could see that it keep coming up in my mind. This is the person there. There is a person there. There's a person there. Even though uh, from what I've heard from you and what I felt also that, no, there is no one, there is no, uh, no person there, uh, no life there. I mean, what, uh, but... But because of the memory, it was very uh it it was very hard to get over. Uh, and so I, I I just watched my memory for a while for a couple of weeks now, just watch yes. and I could see that how how the memory could go back and forth, go to the past and then bring it back uh to, to the present moment. And so that's where I am, and uh. Like the action figure is what maybe that's what I should say. The action figure is uh, uh, deal with grief uh, in in a way that it made me understand a lot of suffering of other people. Mm. Yes. Like for for me, it's easy to say, oh, oh, this is just my suffering. But from from what I've learned is, is that before I never felt the suffering of others, like in similar situation. Say, for instance, I could hear about the killing in, in other parts of the world, and I've never felt it. Like as, But now I, I realize now how someone would feel when mm -hmm. someone they love has gone away. So, mm -hmm. you know, in, in that way, it, my empathy and my, uh, my, maybe it's a, it's a conscious opening to, to feel for others. That's all, I, you know, that's what I'm just sharing. Yes, it's great. Not just that the, it's not just that a person is not there, but it's opening another other way of looking at how human nature is, you know, how quickly we forget about others, how, how they feel, when you could really uh, be in tune with what, what they're going through, even though you're, you're way back in another country or something like that. Yes, 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 I get it. Beautiful share. Yeah, in a way, the person lives in memories. That's right, yeah. Yes, and you make peace with the memories. Yeah, yeah. You know, all the people really are an aspect of dreaming.
Yeah. So they pass away, but they still live seemingly in memory. Yeah. And basically that's how they lived yeah. to us before, actually, in a lot of ways. And the weird thing is, the funny thing about the recognition of emptiness, it brings a lot of empathy. Yeah. You would think in a dry, logical way it wouldn't, but no. Uh, you know, one time I had it uh, very strongly. It was one of those things you never forget. Yeah. Now, I had been in the hospital for a couple of months when I got run over by the car. And it it was obvious to me I was not going to get well in the hospital. Yeah. And my oldest sister was advocating for me. And I wanted to get out of the hospital, but I was not in the condition to leave the hospital. But I wanted to get out. So she talked to them and they made a deal where she had bought my mom's, where I grew up's house. And we used to have a little porch, a enclosed porch that was the TV room. She said she was going to put me in there and get a hospital bed and make sure you know, the physical therapy could come there. And then also I could get to the hospital. And so she set up all these requirements. They agreed and they brought me out. So the day they were bringing me out, I was in a wheelchair. They were bringing me to the car and this the lobby of this hospital that I had been up in the, the fourth floor. I never got, I never moved around much. Yeah. I was up in the fourth floor and there was all these people running around. And then there was this old guy at the time. I thought it was old. I was younger then. And he was laying on a gurney and everyone was walking by him and no one was paying attention to him at all. It was like he didn't exist. Yeah. And he was his head was lolling over the side of the gurney and our eyes caught. I saw him and I saw him literally. You know what I mean? I felt so much feeling for it because it was exactly how I felt for all these months being in the hospital and stuff. And it was a real incredible event. And then they put my head in and I got in and I kept looking back and we were still making contact through this giant glass. And then my sister drove off. Yeah. But a lot of birth of empathy happened through that getting run over. Yeah. So a lot of, value came out of things that didn't seem to have any value yeah so and uh yeah so thank you for your share very moving well your memories are going to be like the candles in a at a, on an altar yeah do you know what i mean the memories in the head can yeah. be like candles on an altar you keeping something alive and that's wonderful it's a great way of honoring a temporary event yeah yeah thank you thanks for sharing and coming back and saying hello yeah very much yeah thanks paul you're welcome uh ram charan nice to see you there Sh sherry down in san diego Nice to see you. Thank you. Julius, I think he's in Byron Bay or somewhere around there. 
Nice to see you. Yeah. John K. John K. There he is. Floyd. Always a pleasure. Alfonso. Alfonso and Brenda Lee are like that. Yes. Nice to see you, Alfonso. So say hello to Elliot if you're speaking with him. Yeah. I will. I haven't seen him in a while, but I'll I'll say hello. Thank you. Hey, David, down under. Nice to see you, my friend. Yep. Frank, uh, he's found the mayonnaise. Lindy, beautiful. Shannon Corkery. There she is. Nice to see you. Bill C., the SS uh, Enterprise, the day, the, the biggest land uh, aircraft carrier is your lazy boy. That's pretty big. David Bitterman, Alex, Alan Olson, Miak, and from Adelaide, Mike M. Let's move to the next thing. Oh, I knew, as always. We got Susanna W., who, who has just passed uh, a big milestone in recovery. I think she's 32 years sober. I thought she was 32 years her life, but she's 32 years sober. What a miracle. It's the fountain of youth, sobriety. Nice to see you, honey. Amelia says hello also. Uh, Fletch, I just saw Fletch today. What a pleasure to meet Fletch. We went to an AA meeting together and had a coffee. Phone number, Mike, John S. in Florida. Always a pleasure to hear from John. Miss Amelia, uh, yeah, this is a lovely picture that a woman, Lisa, from Alabama did uh, based on when we were in Sis uh, Puya. She really captured uh, Amelia's uh, grabbing my nipple right there. You don't see it, but that's what she's doing. And uh, yeah. Uh, Gary Clark. Looking better every time, Gary. Good. I'm happy. Yeah. The breath of life is getting strong in there. Uh, I think that's it. No, Rye. Susanna, Miak. I think, hey, listen, thank you for the today, tonight. It's a lovely... It's like a nice fireside chat, you know? We all get warmed by whatever it is and go about our day. See everyone soon, I hope. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Thank you so much. Paul. Always Thanks, good. Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Awesome. Bye, guys. Thank you, Paul.